0: At one funeral service at the local crematorium, I was joined on the platform by two ladies who sang a very nice classical version of a hymn. During that service, I asked the congregation for our mutual comfort to say the Lord's Prayer together. The two singers, who I discovered had very powerful vocal skills indeed, and who collectively spoke much louder than me, recited the Lord's Prayer at a speed that would challenge a racehorse. Vainly, I tried to get their attention to try to get them to slow down. In order to say the Lord's Prayer without committing the sin of vain repetition, we need to put thought into each and every petition, so that we can actually meditate upon the meaning of the prayer as we say it, so that when we speak the petitions of the prayer, we actually mean what we say. I'm Bob McAvoy, and you're listening to the Semper Reformata Podcast. So in our Catechism class today, we're looking at Lord's Day 47, which is the first petition in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. I want you to read Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23 with me. There we read, Thus saith the Lord. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Our instructor in the Catechism goes to great lengths to teach us the profound meaning that is encapsulated in each of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. These summaries of our basic needs, which are to be brought before the Lord when we pray. In question 122, the Catechist asks, What is the first petition? And of course, the answer is, Hallowed be your name. The Jews, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, especially Jews of an Orthodox persuasion, will never mention the actual name of God for they will believe that God's name is far too holy to be spoken on the lips of a sinful man or woman. In the scriptures, the name of God, of course, is translated as the Lord, capitalized, so that we know, when we read it, that it is a reference to the actual name of God, the so-called tetragrammaton, those four letters that sound like Yahweh, which mean I am. The name of God revealed to Moses at the burning bush in the desert. So the Jews simply refer to the name. I've even known Christians to write the word God, replacing the middle letter with a hyphen, in case they offend God's holiness. But is that what Jesus really meant when he tells us to pray that God's name would be hallowed, would be made holy? Well, let's see what our instructor teaches. He says that hallowed be thy name means that we are to really know the Lord God. The Catechism reads, Grant us first of all that we may rightly know you, sanctify, glorify and praise you in all your works, in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy and truth. Sometimes as Christians we think about knowing God or knowing Jesus in a subjective sense. We speak of being aware of God's presence. We speak of communing with him as friend to friend. Or in the words of the hymn, we come to the garden alone and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Well, perhaps that's the very reason why the Catechist speaks of our rightly knowing Him. To know Him as He is. To know His true characteristics as revealed to us in Scripture, so that we don't allow our subjective experiences and feelings to shape or even cloud or perhaps even distort God's revelation of Himself to us. So rightly knowing God is knowing him experimentally. Okay, so before I'm accused of promoting a head religion as opposed to a heart religion here, I'm not. Of course, as those whose lives have been transformed by God the Holy Spirit working within us, convicting us of sin and calling us by his grace and in regeneration applying the work of Christ to our innermost being, We are brought to a personal relationship with our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. We know him experimentally. Isn't that why every good sermon needs a firm application? Because we want to know God better all the time through the preaching and application of his word to our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. We're also to know him observationally. And we see his works all around us, especially in creation. The psalmist in Psalm 19 and verse 1 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. God created this world and everything that is in it. He created us as the pinnacle of his creating work, making man in his own image. Read Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to verse 27 admittedly knowing God observationally can be hard for us. For sometimes we are so self-centered, even as Christians, that we think that we are self-made and we forget to glorify God for his greatness in everything. We give glory and praise to ourselves for the material world and for the blessings that are in it. So we really need this prayer. We really need to ask God to help us to appreciate him and to know him. Psalm 145 tells us, All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. But for those who don't know the Lord, our unregenerate nature rejects God when we are not Christians, and it rejects his creation. and Modern earth-worship religion stands the created order on its head. I recently saw a trailer for a television series in which Sir David Attenborough told us that there was a time when the world was perfect, when everything was in balance and in harmony, and then came a great plague upon the earth. Guess what it was? Humans. Now that's the religion of the climate change pietists. It's not true. And we ought to be praying that people of this world would recognise the true and correct order and the nature of God's creation and that we would give him glory for the wonderful works which he has done with his own hand. So we're to know God, to rightly know God. And that means knowing him experimentally, knowing Christ as our Saviour. Knowing him observationally through the wonderful world that he has created and everything that's in it. And then knowing him scripturally, because God reveals himself in the inspired word of God. And to know God is to understand something of his divine attributes, and we can only know that through the scriptures. So the Catechist speaks of God's mighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy and truth. And there's no other way to discover who God is and to appreciate who God is and to learn what he is like unless we learn about him in his word. God perfectly displays and demonstrates all of those attributes in his word for us to learn. So, why is it so important to know God? Why is it important to know him by observation, to know him intellectually, and to know him personally? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in John chapter 17 and verse 3. He says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. Whom you have sent. Now, the Catechist doesn't just teach us that we are to rightly know God, but that we are to live to please the Lord God. The Catechism reads Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honoured and praised. Knowing God is essential for our salvation, and it is the first thing that we should pray for, that God would be known, that we would know him rightly, so that he would be rightly glorified. But surely when we know him, when we rightly know him, that should have a profound effect on our lives. A very profound effect indeed. Go back to Exodus chapter 34. And verse 5 to verse 8 it talks about god meeting with moses and it says now the lord descended in the cloud and stood with moses there and proclaimed the name of the lord and the lord passed before him and proclaimed the lord the lord god merciful and gracious long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. In verse 8, So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. When Moses discovered the nature of God, when God spoke, when he revealed who he was, his name indicated who he was, it's God's revelation to Moses. And when Moses learned who God was and his attributes of mercy and grace and long-suffering and goodness and truth, Moses responded by quickly bowing his head, worshipping God. That's why we pray, Hallowed be thy name. The Catechist reminds us to pray that our knowledge of God, his name revealing his nature, will so affect the way that I live that every part of my life will bring him glory. Psalm 115 and verse 1 Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory, because of your mercy, because of your truth. Notice that the Catechism includes every part of our life. What I think, what I say, what I do will be affected by knowing who God is, his revealed name. So others will see and know that there is something different about us, that in our less than perfect lives we reflect just a little bit of our heavenly father's character into this dark world as jesus taught us in the sermon on the mount matthew 5 and verse 16 he tells us let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven do you know even the most humanistic And godless parents will want their children to follow in their good example and hopefully they will have been a good example to their children hopefully they will have taught them manners and courtesy and good behavior and respect for others and imparted to them a good work ethic we want our children to follow in the best of our ways our Heavenly Father is perfect and he's holy, and he wants us to be holy, to be like him, to please him by walking in his ways. So to sum up this petition then, before we ask God for anything, whether for ourselves or for others, we have to acknowledge that the real purpose of prayer is God's glory. For God to be rightly known and rightly praised by myself, by those who are in my prayers and for the whole world, this is what we ask for first. Hallowed be thy name.